Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, joined as I am every Tuesday by Derek Klassen, scouting expert of Football Outsiders. Derek, sounds like you may be playing a bit hurt today, but you know, it's the crunch time of the season. Teams are making their final playoff pushes. In the fantasy world, it's fantasy championship week for most teams. So congratulations if you're still in the mix. I assume you probably are if you're still watching us at this point, but we really appreciate it that you do. Um, and because of that, you know, we've got the week 17 waiver wire to hit on, but we're going to only hit on a, a couple of guys, really, maybe four. Uh, there's a more extensive list up on my article on Football Outsiders, but we're going to devote the, the bulk of today's show for the fourth of our four-part series doing a dynasty draft of the top 10, this time wide receivers under 26 years old. And I have to say, Derek, that's been about as exciting and interesting to me as doing the running backs a few weeks ago. But before we get into the waiver wire, how's it going, man? You doing okay? I, I'm losing to, uh, you know, the the weather to winter a little bit. I'm, I'm losing this battle, but, you know, uh, it's not too bad. We're, we can play. We can get through it. Okay. Good to hear it. Um, one other thing to mention before we get into the waiver options is that FO Plus is on sale for 99 cents a week for annual subscriptions right now. It's a limited time offer to get our stats analysis, fantasy, and betting info. So check that out at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe or follow the link in the description of the show. Okay, waiver wire time for week 17. Let's start this off with Jeff Wilson running back for the 49ers. People that watch us every week know we've talked about him a few times before, um, but probably because it's the fantasy playoffs and there are just fewer teams in the mix at this point, his his roster percentages haven't really gotten up that high. It's at 62 and 70%. So players in their title games may be able to grab him. I think that still may make some sense because Elijah Mitchell, last I checked, still hasn't practiced since he injured his knee again back in week 13, I think. But interestingly, you know, they get the 10-day rest coming off the Thursday night game. So we don't really know whether Mitchell's going to play. But if not, Wilson seems like a very safe bet, having taken 63% of the carries for the team since week 14. That's ninth highest among all running backs. Derek, what are your thoughts on Wilson at this point? We've had a little bit more time to watch him play. So, like, do you like him on his own merits, or is this more of a situation issue? Uh, I don't really like him on his own merits very much. Um He's pretty athletic. Like he can, he he has some pretty good movement skills out in the open space. But like to me, he runs like he thinks he's Barry Sanders, and he's not Barry Sanders. <laughs> like he needs like there's so to hear. someone yeah, is not like, Barry Sanders. Yeah, shocking. Some some random guy from like North Texas is not Barry Sanders. Um, but like to me, he just has too many moments where it seems like he could just jam his foot in the ground and get north and south, and he just doesn't. Like he's just mm -hmm. waiting for this perfect opportunity to open up, and it's it's probably just not going to happen. Like he needs to just get the yards that are, that are there. Um, so that's kind of my biggest issue with him. Thankfully, like the Shanahan offense is going to open up so many opportunities that even if you're not the most skilled running back, eventually you're going to get a decent chunk of yardage. Um, I will say too, I actually almost feel better about Wilson. If Lance ends up having to start this week, yeah. um, I know Lance would like technically might be able to like take away some of the carries just because Lance is obviously a, a run heavy quarterback. But I think against Houston, because Houston's run defense is so bad and their pass defense is actually like quietly kind of good. I think that would be a game plan where they just want to like fully lean into almost being like a triple option offense. Um, and so even if like Lance is maybe taking a percentage of the carries, I think they would just have more carries to go around anyway that Wilson would be able to to benefit from that. I want to dig deeper into the Lance angle, but first let's get back to the North South thing. Cause th honestly, that surprises me to hear because one Wilson, what he's got five red zone carries the last few weeks. I think if we extended this forward, he and Debo Samuel would probably converge towards similar touchdown rates because it seems like he's the one that's more in the mix in the red zone. And I mean, Samuel can't score from 10 or more yards away every week. Can he? <laughs> I mean, maybe he can, it's been like six he's weeks. Trying. Ago, but... <laughs> It just, it seems weird to me because Wilson, even last year was involved some in the red zone and like, you know, fantasy players are frustrated by the the vulture, as we call the guys that score near the goal line. But, you know, it didn't really make sense that he was in there all the time, even though he's maybe a bigger body, but like, is he not crashing the hole in that way? Like, does that, it makes me wonder, like, would Trace Sermon be doing this if he were in this mix? But obviously he's on injured reserve right now too. So like, is Wilson just a hundred percent beneficiary of what Kyle Shanahan does? I think that's pretty much the case. I, I do think he's a little bit better about it in goal line situations where he knows that like, that's kind of all you're there to do. <laughs> you're there to just jam it up, whatever yeah. is there. So I think he's a little bit better about it there. I just mean like more if they're running on first and 10, yeah. second and eight, you know, something like that, even second and three, like he just, 
if there's five yards blocked, he might get three yards sometimes because he's trying to do some insanely insane thing where he's trying to bounce or he's trying to, you know, wait for this magical hole that's going to pop up and it just doesn't. So I do think he's a little bit better about it in the red zone just because um, you kind of have to just jam it up. But I yeah. think when he has options, he shouldn't have options is basically where, where <laughs> I'm trying to get. <laughs> okay, let's dig back a little bit more into Lance then. To me, this is like a super interesting angle. For anyone that hasn't heard, Jimmy Garoppolo tore a ligament. I think it's the UCL in his throwing thumb. As of now, we don't know for sure that he's not going to play, but it sure seems like he's not going to play this week, which forces Lance into action. Lance started, I can't remember, he played in both weeks four and five and basically played a game and a half in that stretch. He probably came in week four, is my guess. But regardless, I think he had 23 carries in those two games and was a more extreme running version of than like Lamar Jackson even. Like he would have been by far and away the leading runner by carry percentage among quarterbacks. But that was more than 10 weeks ago, Derek. And I know we haven't really seen him to have any sense of this, but the big issue or the big, you know, bugaboo, whatever you want to call it with Lance was that he only threw 320 or whatever pass attempts in his entire college career at North Dakota State. So it's like this guy probably wasn't ready to, yet to play in the pros. Do you think 10 weeks, you know, getting occasional practice reps and maybe learning is going to make a difference where he can play a more traditional offense? Or is this going to just be run, run, run for everybody, including Lance? I would hope that he could show some sort of development as a passer after, you know, two and a half months, three months, whatever it's been since we last saw him. Um, but I'm still pretty steadfast in the idea that like he was probably never going to be ready this year, which is fine. Cause like you mentioned, he only threw like 320 passes. Um, he was basically a one-year starter. He came into the league very, very young, um, especially for a quarterback. So I think this year he probably just was never going to look as ready as he needed to be to run like the offense that I think he's going to be able to run by year two, year three. Um, so I would, ex I would still expect a pretty run heavy offense um both by design and both by him just scrambling i actually do think you know he's done a good job of pulling the ball and just scrambling um instead of forcing bad errors so mm -hmm. um we'll see but i, I think it's generally still going to be a pretty run heavy approach so i mean this is a bit of a sidetrack question and i'm betting people that are in their fantasy championship games maybe not presented with this issue or not but apart from the running backs like would you start lance like if you were starting between him or Taysom Hill, two players that may be kind of similar in nature, assuming that Hill comes back from COVID for this week, is there any chance you'd start Lance? Honestly, maybe just because like I mentioned, this Houston run defense is very not good. Um, they have figured out how to defend the pass a little bit. They've gotten away from some of their super basic cover two stuff that they were doing earlier in the year. Um, they've gotten some really good play out of some of their younger guys, but that run defense is still not good. They just don't have dudes up front. They traded away their best run defending linebacker. Um, so I actually think it's probably not a bad situation to start mm -hmm. Lance if that's, you know, again, I don't know how many people in their championship are this <laughs> dire for quarterback play. Probably but not. if you are, it's not a bad option against this particular defense. Is the Texans run defense as bad as the Chargers defense run defense that they just played last week and Rex Burkett lit them up? Not quite, <laughs> but it's not very far away. <laughs> I got Rex was in a lot of like waiver lists that I saw for week 17 and I resisted the urge personally. I was like, I just think that was a hundred percent Chargers. And it's you got to figure the, the 49ers, you got to figure are going to take care of business this week. And the, mm -hmm. the Texans aren't going to have those opportunities, but whatever. We're definitely way off track. So let's get back to our second waiver option for week 17. This one may be a little bit more realistic. Terrell Williams running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. His roster rates aren't dramatically lower at 61 and 60% in the ESPN and Yahoo than, than, uh, than Wilson's were. But there is kind of a newness to this, whereas Wilson has had the job for a few weeks. So I think you may still be able to grab him going forward. The reason this is relevant is because Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he injured his collarbone. And while x-rays suggest he didn't break it, it seems like he's very likely to miss at least this week. Maybe they may hold him out for the for the, the real playoffs, not the fantasy playoffs. <laughs> Weird that Andy Reid isn't prioritizing our fantasy title games, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, Derek, what are your thoughts on Daryl Williams? Honestly, I think his roster rates reflect that he's had a little bit of fantasy intrigue even as part of a committee so far this season. I think both because he catches some passes and because he gets more work along the goal lines than Edwards Alaire does. But what are your thoughts on him as maybe in, in a more feature role in the short term? Um, he's kind of another one where I think this is just a matter of like somebody has to get touches from the running back position in this offense. To me, Darrell Williams is kind of a nothing player. He doesn't really have very much explosiveness mm -hmm. to his game. 
his vision is okay. His balance is okay. Like the way that he can just, you know, if they run some of the more basic concepts, he can just jam it up. And if, you know, if they block four, he can get four. He's that kind of runner to me. Um, what I will say is that what you mentioned with, you know, him in the passing game, I actually think he does a decent job there. I would say that a big part of it is kind of just how defenses play Kansas City, where, yeah, especially for the first, you know, two and a half months of the season, Kansas City was very unwilling to just take the checkdowns. They were constantly looking for home runs. They were constantly looking to like brute force their way through these, you know, two deep coverages. Um, and I think especially over the past few weeks, they've actually gotten better at like maybe the way to get teams out of this, you know, too high shell where they just don't care about what's happening underneath is to yeah. just constantly throw underneath and make them respect it and make them come up and tackle it and, novel and put concept. more bodies there. Yeah, novel concept, right? Like you can't actually throw out of it. Um, throw teams out of this too high shell and I think the Chiefs have gotten better at that and of course if he's going to be starting Daryl Williams is going to be the beneficiary of this because you know just the way that teams play the Chiefs if, if there's a check down in a normal offense that might go for four because of the depth that teams are playing Kansas City at it might go for six or seven or eight just because of the, the how far defenses are, are playing off of off of their check downs and stuff. I think there's interesting angles here related both to what could still be a workload split with with Derek Gore and with the Bengals matchup for week 17. So last week, Edwards Alaire went out after 30% of snaps. So we had a pretty full game to judge. And Williams took 42% and Gore took 28% of the snaps. But the Chiefs just absolutely crushed the Steelers. It was like a 30-point margin of victory headed that way, maybe, maybe until a garbage time score or so. But like I feel like in a more normal game script. Williams would probably play significantly more than Derek Gore than even that split would suggest. But have you seen anything from Gore this season? He's popped up a couple of times with some interesting work, but you just, I always assume in a situation like that, the chiefs offense is driving that success. Yeah. I, I think especially, you know, the Steelers game, like that's just, they were so ahead that it didn't matter. No, they, they could have put you and I out there and probably still gotten a couple of yards. Um, to me, Derek Gore, I think, when he's been at his best is like they've had a couple of moments where they'll actually run some of their pulling stuff. Um, you know, they'll run power, they'll run counter every now and then. And when they've had him in the game for that, he's maybe been their better runner over Williams for that. The difference is just, I think even though they built their offensive line for that, they've not committed to that style of play. I think mm -hmm. the way that people thought they would. So yeah. that kind of just lends to Williams being better for a lot of the inside zone and, and just basic stuff that they've been wanting to do. So I think unless they just randomly decide, you know, for this playoff push or, you know, in the playoffs that they want to be more of this, you know, pulling concept team, then maybe Gore is going to get more run. But if they just want to be what they've been, I think Williams is probably makes more sense. So the Bengals cut opponent run plays by 12% per game, although that's not that unusual trend to see with a team that tends to win because, you know, if they're up, that forces mm -hmm. the other team into more passing situations. But an interesting twist with it is that the Bengals do have a much better run defense than pass defense. They're ranked 17th against the pass, but 10th against the run. So I'm curious if that might also be true in more of a neutral game script situation. Do you have any like thoughts related to the Bengals matchup? For me, I don't think it's going to move the needle again because I think Daryl Williams is averaging something like 2.8 catches per game, even independent of, mm -hmm. of CEH being injured. But I didn't know if there was any kind of thing there with the Bengals where, you know, maybe without Edwards Alaire, they could just pass the ball a lot if they thought that was the way to go. I mean, that might be the case. Um, but to me, this is more a situation of just like, you know, the Bengals defense, their run defense is above average, but I don't think it's so good that it's necessarily like changing how you want to think about Williams. Yeah. Um, that's just my opinion. Okay. Then I think we have one more running back to hit for the waiver options for week 17. There's actually a few more than this I have in the article. So again, check that out if you need the more comprehensive list. But honestly, maybe the one with the best fantasy value, I'm curious about your opinion about that, Dare Ogunbowale, who, you know, honestly, I've never heard his name said out loud, so I'm hoping that I'm saying that right. Uh, running back for the Jaguars, honestly, this situation kind of stinks. I mean, Urban Meyer was like holding James Robinson back all year, benched him randomly. Who knows what was happening? He finally gets free of the head coach, and then he immediately tears his Achilles, which, one, that stinks because I'm sure that's a very painful injury, and it's a longer recovery time more frequently than the ACL tear maybe even two years before you're back to normal and then coming so late in the year, like, you know, I feel like 2022 is out of the picture at this point. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's obviously done for the year. Carlos Hyde already on injured reserve. The team is like out of backs and Ogun Bawale ended up playing 82% of snaps because Robinson went down early last week, had 17 carries, scored a touchdown, two catches for 15 yards, uh, had four targets. It's been a guy that's been involved in the passing game as more of a receiving back, 
which makes sense given his size. But like, what are your thoughts on Ogunbowale? Like, I feel like by default, he's going to have to get a lot of run here for the Jaguars, but is he, is he somebody you're going to trust in this spot in a fantasy title game when the workload may be there, but we just haven't really ever seen him in that featured role, except maybe last week. I would rather not have to lean on him. <laughs> um, I actually don't think he's like a terrible player. Um, at least when I watched it this last week, he actually did a pretty decent. He's kind of like the opposite of the things that I have with Jeff Wilson, where like a Goomba Wall actually, I think to me, does a pretty good job of just getting north south. Like, you know, if they block four, he's going to get four. I think he just he's able to just jam his foot in the ground um, and just kind of get in there. The problem yeah. is he doesn't really have like impressive acceleration um, or power, in my opinion. He kind of just. He knows what he needs to be doing and he just doesn't have like any of the physical tools to really get there. And I think, you know, in space, he's not particularly explosive and he's not really going to rip off very many insane plays. So to me, he's kind of just you're banking that the Jaguars are going to either run the ball a ton early or stay in the game where they can keep running the ball. And I think the first one is possible. I don't <laughs> think the second one is possible. I just don't think this team can keep up in games anymore. Or, well, I mean, not that they ever really did. But. Well, fair, but like <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Week 17, now. they're playing the Patriots, who coming yeah. off that loss, you know, it's it's a tough spot. The Patriots are sixth in run defense DVOA. They cut rushing touchdowns per attempt by 61%. Pretty common for a really good defense overall. I, honestly, I feel like having a good pass defense is, is a better way to cut rushing touchdowns than anything, but the Patriots have a really good pass defense. <laughs> so like it all adds up to a really tough spot. The reason I think you'd consider it is that here's the rest of the Jaguars running back depth chart without their main two guys there. You have Nathan Contrell. Uh, he played one snap last week. That was the second snap of his career. Uh, been in the NFL for two years. I don't know if there's anything there. Ryquel Armstead, he hasn't played since 2019. He He's really the guy more than anyone else. He got COVID early in 2020, and then it like spiraled into major health issues from there. Something that you don't necessarily expect from an athlete in this spot, but I think just goes to show you how serious situation. I think he developed microcarditis. I don't even know what that is. Sounds really scary. Obviously hasn't played. He did make it back active last week, um, but was like primarily as a special teams player. So maybe he'll get in the mix. I think the team also claimed Makai Sargent, who the Rams put on waivers after getting Cam Akers, Buddy Howell, and, and Jake Funk back. Kind of not a great crew there either. <laughs> but like the point is the Jaguars just don't really have other options. So it, it does seem like dare is going to probably get a good run in this game honestly like if anything i'd love to see them run some of their wide receivers in the backfield this week uh tavon austin i think got three carries last week and it's like you know an interesting horizontal stretcher and then if lavisca chenault so he he i think had had covid last week and so missed the game but hopefully he'll be back this week i was looking at this before the show but you know he has the second highest avoided tackle rate among wide receivers after their catch the last two years it's like Debo is kind of on an island by himself up top. Then Chenault is second, and then there's nobody near him either. And I'm like, guys, this seems like the guy that should be copying the Debo Samuel game plan that Kyle Shanahan's using right now. Do you feel that way too? Do you think the Jaguars have the ability to even do that with, with the coaching turmoil and everything else going on there? This late in the season, probably not. Um, but I think generally that that's how you should be using mm-hmm. um, Chenault. And like the difference to me is like, Debo does that because he can. Like he he yeah. can also be a great receiver, but he can do some of this stuff from the backfield. To me, with more like with Chanel, it's more like he needs to be doing this because he can't be a real receiver right now. At least not in my opinion. He he's an okay slot, but he can't play outside at all. Um, his only real value as a receiver right now is yards after the catch. Well, if his only value is yards after the catch, just get the ball in his hands and put him <laughs> in running back. Um, put him on yeah. more jet stuff. You know, whatever it takes to just get him the ball early. Um, because like you mentioned, like, you know, for all my gripes I have with him, once he has the ball, he is very tough to tackle. I mean, he he's he mm-hmm. brings a lot of weight behind his pads. Um, he's a very strong runner and he's pretty quick in short areas, um, at least as a ball carrier. I don't think he's very technical as, as a you know, route runner um, to use his quickness, but he's really good with the ball in his hands. So hopefully that's something next year that they can explore better. Um, don't know who the coaching staff is going to be, but I think this year it's probably a little bit too late. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I think it's pretty hard to, to imagine Dare not getting at least 15 touches, even if this is a Patriots blowout. So like in that sense, maybe he's going to have some fantasy value. I'm working on the projections for the week today as, as I usually do. So we'll check that out and see if he ends up as like a mid-tier flex option. I think that's probably where he's going to end up, but uh, we'll see. I mean, there's not 
not that many guys getting 15 touches a game right now. So even if the workload is like scary against the Patriots, maybe it's enough. All right. One more waiver guy. Uh, I lied. There's another running back, Justin Jackson, running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, I don't even think this is necessarily fab relevant for this week. Austin Eckler is already off of COVID list. Um, so, you know, I think he's probably going to be back to, to kind of usual this week. But I do think it was really interesting last week how Jackson got so much work, 11 carries for 64 yards, two touchdowns, eight catches for 98 yards on nine targets. So pretty cool. I just thought it might be good to get your opinion about Jackson, the player. This may be another situation where Justin Herbert in the passing game is so good, kind of like the Chiefs, that anybody could work in this spot. But is Jackson maybe a good player too? I think it's definitely more that like Herbert just makes people better. Like that he's just that good. Um what I would say about the the particular way that they split up their carries um, when Eckler was out, it's just that to me, Jackson more simulates who Eckler is than yeah. like Kelly does. Because yeah. um, Joshua Kelly's like a big, you know, kind of a plotter. He, he His vision is kind of whatever. He's just going to try to jam through tackles and that's really going to be all he's got. Justin Jackson is the opposite where his vision is kind of shaky and he's not really going to bounce people off, but he is a ridiculous athlete. I mean, like literally like 90th plus percentile in, in almost every testing metric when he came out of uh, Northwestern. So he's a super, super athlete. And that's why I think when you can get him in space, the way that they've tried to do with Eckler, that's where he can really shine. And that's why he's always, you know, even if he only gets like 40 carries a year, it seems like he always rips off some insane 50 yarder, even on like a tiny <laughs> sample size. He just, he just has that in him. Yeah. So I think he just better simulates what Eckler does, um, which sucks because now that Eckler's back in the lineup, um, presumably there's really no room for Jackson. Um, but I do think that the reason they played him more the way that they did was just because he better complements Kelly and is a better simulation for what Eckler is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's interesting. The other player that put, conceivably could have been in this mix is the rookie Larry Roundtree. I'm trying to remember, was he a six round pick? I think he was a little bit too late to pique my interests from even a He's, dynasty league perspective. And like, yeah, the fact that he, he has been inactive so much this season, even behind Kelly, I feel like it's not a promising sign for his involvement in the future. You feel that way too? Yeah. I mean, so like with like Daryl Williams, I've talked about being like a nothing player, but he at least like kind of crosses the baseline for like vision and balance and stuff like Larry Roundtree to me is like really I just don't know what his calling card is mm -hmm. supposed to be um as an NFL back yeah so I mean honestly I guess we're just gonna <laughs> hope that the main guys here can just stay healthy going forward I mean overall it's been a really great healthy season for Eckler really for the first time and so you, you hate that he's getting COVID I mean obviously you hate that for anybody but not great timing for fantasy players for sure Okay, that wraps up the, the waiver wire portion of the show. We're going to get into the Dining Street draft shortly. But I'll mention too, and I always forget to say this, is that we're live Monday through Friday at 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and what else? Twitter, Facebook, I don't know, YouTube. YouTube is the one that we're on. Um, and so it's, it's a great way to get in there, chat, and ask us questions. We have a couple questions right now. Why don't we go ahead and hit them? Uh, there's some like start-sit type questions and stuff. James Martin. So he has Ayuk, T. Higgins. Um, I'm assuming Amon Ra as opposed to Equinemia, St. Brown. Elijah Moore, Brandon Cooks, Kareem Hunt, and Van Jefferson needs three to start. I could be wrong about this, Derek, but I feel like Elijah Moore went on IR a week later than originally expected and is actually not eligible to come off this week. So I think he would be a week 18 guy. Does that seem plausible to you? I don't actually remember. I can't say I've been as privy to the mm. Jets IR as I maybe should be. I mean, really <laughs> slacking on your duties as a scout. Right um, so I could be wrong about this, James, and I apologize if I am, but I don't think Moore's playing this week. I think he's playing next week. I also am not really sure Kareem Hunt is playing this week. Uh, he had COVID last week and is off the COVID list, but he was dealing with another injury anyway and maybe a week away. So like, I'm not sure you're going to have those two as options. T Higgins is an absolute no brainer at this point. He's just been yeah. getting a, a huge volume of targets even before Joe Burrow threw for 550 yards last week. Higgins is for sure one that you want to start. Ayuk is, is interesting because again, the switch to Trey Lance, I don't know that, that honestly, that could be a deal breaker for me because like, if he's only going to be throwing 15 to 20 pass attempts, even if Ayuk is the main receiver, which he kind of is with Samuel Moore in the backfield, I just don't know if he's going to get the volume to support even wide receiver three numbers. So like, I'm definitely starting St. Brown over him, which is weird, but mm -hmm. I am. 
Uh, St. Brown, 11.5 targets per game the last four weeks. That's fourth. It's like behind Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and that's it. I mean, it's unbelievable. So especially with Jared Goff coming back, I think you're starting him. And then I guess you're probably starting Brandon Cooks if he's back too. I don't know. What do you think, uh, Derek? I think I for sure agree on Higgins and St. Brown. Um, God, the third one is really tricky. Um, So Jefferson has been one of the biggest, like, touchdown expected guys over the last mm. like seven or eight weeks. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a period of time now when you're like, it's not really fluky, even if he's not matching up with cup and with Odell Beckham from a targets perspective. Oh, they play the Ravens. Yeah. I'm starting Van Jefferson. Oh, are they? hundred percent, hundred percent. Possible another 500 <laughs> passing yard day. Okay. So I think yeah. we, I think we agree then you're starting yeah. T Higgins, Amon Ross, St. Brown and Van Jefferson and good luck to you in your title game. One other question here from OC Parkway. Should he start Jamar Chase or Keenan Allen? Um, I mean, how can you not start both? Like, what is going on here? Your team must be totally yeah, loaded. What kind of league Incredible. are you in? <laughs> um, But I know it. for me, it's Keenan Allen. I just, to me, I trust him more. I feel like his targets don't ebb and flow the way Chase's do. So even if his, like, he probably doesn't have the 200-yard, two-touchdown day in the cards the way that Chase could every now and then, but... It's, it's always a huge surprise to me when Allen doesn't have like eight catches. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you know what you're getting with Allen and it's going to be very good most of the time. And you still have the potential for him to, you know, score a touchdown or two, whatever. Like, um, do you see, he with, just, he has AJ Brown and Debo Samuel as a wide receiver. Oh, Jesus, like, man. So like, like, dude, don't worry about it. You won. You have this like is, Exodia at wide receiver. Start anybody. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Unless you have Dara Ogunbowale as your number one running back. I think you're good. You're yeah. good to go. You're going to win this week. Congratulations in advance. Um, okay. Then with that, let's go ahead and transition over to the second half of the show. To me, it's going to be a very interesting one today. Back to the dynasty draft. We've done this for quarterbacks, for running backs and for tight ends already. But wide receivers kind of saving the best for last when we had a little bit more time to work with, kind of assuming that, you know, this time for week 17, there's not really that many waiver wire guys you wanted to discuss anyway. Um, But there's a lot to discuss with these wide receivers 25 years old or younger. Uh, Derek, I think maybe I went first last time. I can't remember. But either way, I think it's pretty clear who we're going to take at number one. But why don't you get us rolling? Yeah, I think either way, it has to be Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's just not even talking about like guys who are under 25 he is like top Mm. four in the nfl period like he is just the way that he moves uh is really weird because he is kind of built like gumby like in a way like he has these really long weird limbs um but he's also like an incredibly explosive and graceful athlete so you know nate tice has explained this why jefferson is good he just moves in a way that is very hard to like track like when you're a defensive back and you're you know you're taught like you know look at their hips um this is the way that you can like see where they're supposed to move well he has this such like herky-jerky style that is still somehow incredibly like graceful and controlled that it's hard to gauge where he's going and then when he gets that break on you and then he explodes out of it because he's an incredible athlete he just has 10 yards of space on the sideline and Kirk Cousins or I mean Chase Daniel could probably hit him on a lot of these throws like so I think he's just incredibly talented he's he's insane at getting open um the way that he sees the ball in whether it's on the sideline in traffic like he just has this incredible knack for finding the ball um he's good in the red zone he's good in between the 20s like there's just nothing this guy can't do he can take the top off he can beat you underneath on a slant like he literally has the full package like he's just an incredible player yeah, it's interesting because coming out of school, there was some talk about, you know, is he going to play out of the slot? Like, mm-hmm. is he a tweener? I think I got a little bit, you know, tricked off the scent there. It's like he probably works in the slot because, again, like you said, he's so hard to track that he can get open quickly, but obviously has the size and athleticism to play on the outside. So, I, I mean, total package for sure. I didn't even really had to dig t- too deep here, but 8.9 targets per game since 2020. That's eighth most of all receivers, second most of wide receivers under 26. PPR points per game since 2020. That's fifth of all receivers, the most among wide receivers under 26. And his 566 PPR points through 31 career games is the second most by a wide receiver since 2010. So over the last decade, Odell Beckham is the only one that had more, more quickly. So like, it's, it's not even that Jefferson is the number one option here. It's that like, he may be an historically good, you know, beginning of a career for a wide receiver. This seems mm-hmm. like he could be an all-time Hall of Fame kind of special player. So very, 
Very exciting there. I think no-brainer number one in my mind. I had him number one as well. But with that being said, there's a lot of really good wide receivers right here. Uh, second on my list is Jamar Chase. I think gets a little bit of a benefit for being the rookie. So like he's he's younger than some of the guys that we're, we're kind of come up to next. Also interesting, surprising to me that he's one of the few guys here where I feel really good about the quarterback going forward. Mm -hmm. Like even if Joe Burrow isn't throwing for 550 a week, like that's a stable young quarterback that's going to make this hopefully a stable situation for Chase going forward. There are a couple of warning signs. I don't think is the right word, but some things that aren't hundred percent perfect. I would say 10 touchdowns versus 7.6 expected touchdowns this season. So like there's a bit of a, of a surplus there. So you're like, maybe he's been a little bit lucky from a touchdown perspective has had some deep scores, but even that latter number is the sixth highest among wide receivers. I don't think there's any reason to think he's not going to be a big touchdown score going forward. So explosive. Um, he has 12 drops. That's two more than any other wide receiver this season. That was obviously a big talking point in the preseason. His 14.5% drop rate per catchable target is the most among heavily targeted wide receivers. But also, too, he's got a positive plus minus on the season. So it's like, yeah, there may be drops, but like he's getting open so easily. Burrow is such a great placer of the ball that like he's still catching more passes than you would expect given where he's seeing his targets. So to me, like, in the wash, I'm not really too concerned about it. We've also seen wide receivers get dramatically better at that as they've entered their careers. So it's all really good. He's got 244 PPR points through 15 career games. That's the second or the seventh most by a wide receiver since 2010. So really, really good. Is Chase who you would have among second among these guys? Uh I don't know. I, it definitely, I, to me, I, I think I would have considered, I can say it since I'm going to be able mm. to pick him next. I can. I would probably consider C.D. Lamb here mm. um, just for a couple of reasons. But what I would say about Chase um, and, and what I would say is like, I don't know if encouraging is the right word, but like makes you feel better about his drops is the way that his drops are coming. Like he's not dropping passes because he can't catch in traffic. Like we know that he can do that. He's dropping passes because he just like randomly doesn't see in a slant. <laughs> that to me is like way more fixable than just like, oh, this yeah. guy can't play around bodies or whatever. So I think kind of to your point, I, I think he's probably going to be able to get better at that as his career goes on. That would not be something I worry about. Um, and then, like you said, he has a good quarterback situation. So I still really like Chase. I think I might have slightly leaned CD Lamb, who I'm going to take here, um, yeah. just because I don't know. To me, I, I trust Dak Prescott even more than I trust Joe Burrow, which is not really a slight of Burrow. I think Dak is just like a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's incredible. Um, they're, oddly, and I really, they're oddly similar, I feel They're like. very similar. Yeah. To me, like Joe Burrow is literally, if you just like took, let's say Dak Prescott is like 100 on the slider of a, the Dak Prescott scale. If you mm. turn down all of Dak's physical tools to like in 85, that's basically <laughs> what Joe Burrow is, Yeah, uh, which is still really, really good. It's just that Dak, I think, is, is capable of a few more things than, than Burrow might be. You, you mentioned your, your guy, Nate Tice, but like he and Robert mm -hmm. Mays on the Athletic Football Show, which is, is tremendous. They talk a lot about how Burrow and Dak, neither one gets blitzed at all because um, it's like how cerebral they are, how they know where to go with the ball when you're like there's hot reads and stuff. It's like they it's incredible how similar they are. And I think it's a great benefit for both of these receivers, which you'll notice when we get later in the list to some of the guys with major questions at quarterback. But sorry to interrupt. Keep going with Lamb. No, you're good. I, I mean, yeah. So with Lamb, to me, I think I just really like what he is for their offense. Uh, I mean, they, they they have two guys in Cooper and Gallup who are really, really, really good at winning on the outside. Whereas Lamb, I think to me, is, is a lot better at winning over the middle. He's a lot better at, at a lot of those crossing routes that they, you know, that are kind of essential to their offense. Dak has actually struggled to hit them a little bit over the past month or so, but I think some of that is kind of just related to his his health. I think he had some calf issues. So I think generally that's not an issue for Dak. Um, and so I think because that's such a core tenant to their offense, um, I think Lamb being as good as he is in that sense is, is really important. He's also just an incredible deep threat, kind of the way that, that uh, Jamar Chase can be. Um, and I think once Lamb gets the ball in the open field, he has this like, really odd gracefulness to him for somebody who is like kind of tall and looks like he should be a little stiff. He yeah. really isn't. He's an incredibly graceful player with the ball in his hands. He's really explosive. So I think there's just a lot to love with him. And he's also, this doesn't have any fantasy relevance, but he's an incredible blocker. Like he's a very, very willing, he wants to get in there. Um, and he really helps out for a lot of the run concept stuff that they do. So that to me 
kind of signals that he's a guy who, you know, really grinds and he's, he's really willing to put in the work to consistently be better, which I think if you're looking for a young player to, you know, build your dynasty team on that to me is, is pretty encouraging. So I had Lamb third as well. Part of that is the youth. Part of it is that he's only missed one game so far out of 31 possible games in his career. He had a concussion earlier this year, but like, you know, durability is going to start really mattering when we talk about some of the next guys coming up that have been very productive too. It's interesting how I actually struggled to find metrics that highlighted him as one of like the best receivers at something that he does. The one that I found was that he's got a 24.3% of his catches have gone for 20 or more yards since 2020. And so like that's fifth best among wide receivers with a hundred or more catches. It's up there just behind Samuel um, and Justin Jefferson among the under 26 guys. So that may be getting a little bit of what you're talking about, the gracefulness in the open field. And he's, like obviously the broader skill set kind of plays to that. But I wonder too if that's that could also be a Dak Prescott stat to a certain extent. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's I was surprised that he wasn't popping more from a statistical perspective. But I'm wondering what's going to happen if down the line, two or three years from now, like he's clearly the featured guy in this offense when Amari Cooper's a little bit older or a guy that's been dealing with injuries. Michael Gallup, I think, is a free agent this offseason. So this offense may go more and more toward Lamb. And, you know, I think there's exciting enough physical tools to this where it could get very, very exciting uh, in the future. Uh, I'm going to interject that Useful was first in the YouTube chat. He has what? You wouldn't take Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson? <laughs> Which, yeah, I'll say in hindsight, that's that's kind of a bad look. Derek, what did you think about that at the time? Because I mentioned how Jefferson, like it wasn't obvious to me that it was going to be this, especially with all the talk about maybe he was more of a slot guy than an outside guy at the NFL. Is, is this like a thing where when you have so many good players within an offense, like with that 2019 LSU title team, it's like it can be difficult to figure out who's responsible for the success that everybody's having? Kind of. What I will say about uh, Rager is I didn't actually really study him coming out of college. I kind of didn't do very much draft stuff that year, so I don't remember Rager very much. Mm-hmm. I obviously saw a lot of Justin Jefferson because I charted Joe Burrow and, and all that yeah. other stuff. So. I think what was interesting about Jefferson in that offense is that, you know, you mentioned earlier, like people were concerned that he would only be a slot guy coming out of college because that's kind of all he did in college. Well, the thing is like Jamar Chase is an outside receiver. The other guy that they had, Terrace Marshall, that's an outside receiver. Yeah. The other two guys, they can't, they don't have the same flexibility to play in the slot that the way that Jefferson did. Um, so they just kicked Jefferson inside and just kept him there. And then, you know, when they wanted three receivers on the field, that was their best way to get there. Um, and so it was kind of just a matter with Jefferson of like, we haven't seen him play outside as much, but he had the skill set to do it. And it was kind of just maybe a murky projection. But mm. I think he was so productive, so smooth on film. And then the way that he tested, it was just like, how, how could he not be, you know, very, I, I don't know, you know, maybe projecting him to be a top five receiver immediately would, would probably be a little <laughs> bit insane. But I think it's not that much of yeah. a mystery why he's as good as he is. It's always interesting when that sort of thing happens. I feel like the, we talked about Rashad Bateman kind of in similar in a similar way this year. Bateman not going to make my top 10 here, but I still think it's a very intriguing prospect going forward. Mm-hmm. But as a guy that just the total skill set wasn't highlighted in his college offense. And to yeah. me, that that really kind of removes the ceiling. It makes it really interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back on track a little bit, we're up to the, for, uh, the fourth pick. Um, it here, uh, there's a player that I was going to take ahead of Lamb if it weren't for injury concerns. But A.J. Brown has missed some time um, this season, and I feel like maybe puts a little bit of a hole in his candidacy. But there's some metrics that really pop with him. 2.0 yards after the catch plus per catch in his career. That's the second best among regular wide receivers since 2019. Only Debo Samuel is better, although Samuel is way better. We'll be getting (laughs) to him shortly too. But basically Brown is just like one slight step down from Samuel and way ahead of everybody else in terms of getting yards after the catch at wide receiver. But he has like the bigger advantages with 8.4 targets per game in his career. Samuel's got 6.8, kind of a more traditional passing offense, a more explosive one down the field with the play action concepts. And Brown, I feel like is a sustainable big time touchdown scorer. So 0.60 touchdowns per game since 2020. That's the third highest among the guys under 26 behind just chase and behind another guy. We'll probably talk about shortly and DK Metcalf, but Brown has like that bulliness that I feel like is going to work in short areas of the field and the explosiveness, both after the catch and down the field. That's like, he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. And I feel like it's, is an unbelievable talent. Yeah. I mean, it really, if not for the health, like Brown is one of the better receivers in the NFL. Um, I think he's also, 
he is a complete receiver in a lot of ways, but I will say like his skill set is very, very perfect for what the Titans offense mm-hmm. is, where they just want to run a lot of those like inbreakers over the middle. They want to run dig routes. They want to run those drift routes, um, crossers and stuff like he has the literal perfect skill set for that. Um, one, because I think a lot of the times on those routes, you, you kind of have to like bully the cornerback up through your vertical stem and then break. And I think he's really good at that, at, at playing very physically. Um, and then obviously, since a lot of those routes are breaking over the middle, you're getting a guy running into open space, hopefully. Um, and he's, like you mentioned, really, really good with the ball in his hand. So I think it's just, you know, with him there, it's a perfect marriage of, of skill set and situation. You know, didn't Brown play a lot of slot in college too? Maybe the, the moral of this is to just draft slot receivers that are really <laughs> big and athletic. <clears throat> I think he did. I think that was also a situation where he, you know, he was playing with DK Metcalf and uh, it was some other like fringe ish NFL guy that I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also more of an outside receiver. So it kind of just kicked Brown inside. <laughs> <laughs> that works apparently. All right. Up to the fifth pick back to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with another guy we just kind of mentioned here in, in Debo Samuel. And, and mm-hmm. to me, I mean, I think Debo Samuel is, is fantastic. He's way better at bringing the ball in in contested situations than he should be for a guy his size. Um, he's not that tall, but he's really good at just going up and, and fighting for the ball. Um, he's a really smooth route runner. I think particularly kind of like Brown for the offense that they run, where they run a lot of these, you know, in breakers where you just kind of have to fight through your vertical stem and break over the middle of the field, that stuff. Um, he's obviously great with the ball in his hands. I also just have a lot of faith in Kyle Shanahan, pretty much regardless of who, of who the quarterback is, whether it's yeah. Jimmy for the rest of this year um, or Lance next year, once he has some more time under his belt. Like I just have a lot of faith in who Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan is as a play caller. And I trust that he's going to consistently find ways to get Debo Samuel the ball. So I think that's kind of where I would lean here. I think I just kind of trust the situation and the player. Whereas a lot of, you know, like I think you've said, yeah. once we start getting into this range, it's it's kind of one or the other <laughs> in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of ways. So there's no bad options, I think it's fair to say. Samuel mm-hmm. is to me the most interesting receiver on this list. So I mentioned the the Yak Plus issue here. 3.7 Yak Plus per catch this year is more than a yard better than anybody else with 50 or more targets. He also has a 16.8% avoided tackle rate since 2020. I think I brought that up talking a little bit about LaVisca Chenault, where it's like this is like an elite running back who also is a really good receiver. It's like mm-hmm. really cool. I'm glad that he's in Shanahan's system where like he's finding creative ways to use him. And I think that's all really good. There was another receiver that I put ahead of Samuel in my, my dynasty draft from a fantasy perspective. And it's, it's really just about an expectation that he's going to score more touchdowns than Samuel going forward. DK Metcalf, 0.61 touchdowns per game since 2020 is the se- seventh highest among all receivers second among the guys under 26 ahead of just Chase, who Chase obviously is only in his first year. So you could make, make a real case that Metcalf is going to score more, t- more touchdowns going forward than anybody else. He's six foot four and 235 pounds is huge. I know that he runs a more limited route tree than some of these other guys, but like unless the Seahawks fall apart without a quarterback going forward, if Wilson moves on, then like how is this guy not scoring 10 touchdowns every year, right? I mean, I actually, I don't know. I think I'm generally lower on Metcalf than a lot of people, but I kind of have been since since he was in college, mm-hmm. um, which obviously I was proved wrong a little bit um, his first few years in the NFL. But I kind of do have a lot of concerns about what the quarterback situation might be like, because I think Russ is kind of perfect for DK Metcalf in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, Russ, Russ probably throws the prettiest deep ball in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like when he when he is healthy and when he is Russell Wilson, he throws the prettiest deep ball in the NFL. And that is what DK Metcalf does. He's going to yeah. beat you down the sideline. Um, and so I think that was kind of like a perfect marriage of, of quarterback and receiver. And I think that kind of helped mask a lot of Metcalf's incompleteness as a route runner. Like you mentioned, like he kind of runs a pretty limited route tree. I think mm. he just doesn't do a very good job of of sinking into a lot of routes that, that might require some, you know, some faster feet, um, some smoother hips. I think he's just not very good at that right now. So um to me, I think, I don't know, I would still, Metcalf would probably still be in my top 10, but I think I just had more reservations about what the situation might look like if Russ is not back next year. Fair. Absolutely fair. So who would you have in this spot, assuming that you have other people ahead of Metcalf? Um, I mean, I had taken, you know, I had t- taken Debo before him. And then so at this spot, I still probably would have skipped on, Ah oh, man, see, this is right where it starts to get really weird, and I don't know if I trust any of these players' <laughs> situations <laughs> at all. Yeah, um, lack of quarterbacks is starting to become a real issue here. 
Yeah, and like Metcalf technically has one now. I just don't know if he's going to have one in the immediate future. Um, I guess honestly, I might swing a little bit the other way in the in the sense of like hoping this team figures out what they want at quarterback in Terry McLaurin. I, I think he's just the way that he gets open is really incredible. Like he is open all the time. Like he is just incredibly fast. He's incredibly twitchy. Um, he does a really good job of, of finding space, whether it's on the sideline, over the middle of the field. And he also just has an insane way of seeing the ball in for a guy who's his size. You know, he's not very big. He's not very thick. Um, but he just has, the, I mean, he had a catch in like week two or something. It might've been where he like was falling back towards the sideline, had a player draped over him and like caught the ball behind his back. Like, Stuff like that, the way he can do that consistently and make all these really tough circus catches while also being a guy who is consistently open, I think if they can figure out quarterback to any degree better than what they've gotten out of Heineke, who is like fine, yeah, I think he could really, really be a superstar in this league, um, which obviously, you know, betting on any team figuring out quarterback <laughs> is tough, but I think none of these guys really, I think, have one or I have some other concerns with them. So I think I'm fine taking the gamble. You timed that well because useful was first. Just said waiting for Terry McLaurin. Uh, so yeah, you, there you he is. Right at the perfect time. <laughs> so I actually had McLaurin. I think ninth. There's a couple other guys that I'm going to bring up uh, when we get around to my turns here. But I mean, it's easy to make the case. So 13.6 PPR points per game since 2020 is the same as CD Lamb. So like he hasn't been hamstrung that much by the circumstances. But I'll say that he's at a 65.3% catchable target rate over that time as well. That's the third lowest of the 26 wide receivers, the 200 or more targets. I feel like he badly needs a new quarterback to really unlock what he could be. Like if I were drafting players for a real franchise that I was in charge of, then yeah, I would probably put McLaurin higher, but it seems to me like Washington might have a harder time than a lot of these other teams finding an upgraded position because they're kind of good as is. So it's like, they may not be getting the high draft picks with the ownership situation the team has, they may not be a hot free agent destination. Like, I don't know if an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson type is like, sign me up to go to Washington, even if they have really good skill players, McLaurin especially included. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure it's going to be anytime soon that he really achieves his like peak fantasy, you know, potential, but I'm hoping that I'm wrong in that respect. Cause I feel like the chances that he could be really good are intriguing. Uh, so I mentioned I've got a couple guys in front of McLaurin in my rankings, or I don't even know what number are we on. Are we on eighth, maybe. Um, but re regardless, the next player I have on my list, who is a little bit older, um, I'll mention, but Chris Godwin, he does make the under 26 cutoff, is obviously very, very good. Uh, 0.111 plus minus per catchable target since 2020. That's the third highest among wide receivers with 150 or more targets. It's basically the exact same as Devontae Adams. So Chris Godwin is as good at, you know, catching the ball as, as you know, relative to the depth of his targets as the player. Most people think probably is the best receiver in football at this point. So like really good. That's the best among the guys under 26 years old. Godwin's got a different skill set than a lot of the other guys on this list, but like playing so much from the slot and getting a heavy target volume is a great thing for fantasy. You know, like maybe even more important than getting a lot of touchdowns, DK Metcalf style. So like, while I, I'm not sure that I would have Godwin ahead of someone like McLaurin independent of circumstances, um, to me, it's like a very appealing skill set from a fantasy perspective. Although intriguing that he's a free agent this offseason because, you know, where he moves to could, could go a long way in making this ranking too high or too low. That That's kind of the tricky part to me is, um, which I know is weird saying after I just said that, like, I hope Washington can figure out their quarterback <laughs> situation. Um, I think it's coming off of two years of Tom Brady. Hard to imagine it gets a lot better, right? Exactly. That's kind of my, that was kind of my thinking is that like with McLaurin, he's had not good quarterbacks this entire time and we've seen him be very productive. So my mm. assumption is that if they can get anything better, he's going to continue to be good with Godwin. Not that he's been like bad or anything. He's obviously been fantastic, but like this is, it's not going to get better than this. Like this yeah. is what it is. Um, and so you're kind of just hoping that he can either finds a way to stay in Tampa or it finds a similar ish situation elsewhere. Um, to me, kind of like you mentioned, he is also like a more niche skill set in a way. He kind of does a lot of like what Cooper Cup does for the Rams, um, which I think in a lot of ways is a very specific skill set where you're blocking a lot, you're, you're running a lot of those, you know, crossing routes over the middle, um, maybe some of the shorter stuff to like move the chains. He's kind of a weird player in that sense. So I wonder how many other teams are going to be good at finding a role for that. Um, 
but I don't know. He's still a fantastic player. And again, kind of like Metcalf, he still would have probably been in my top 10. And truthfully, I probably would take him over Metcalf. Um, hmm. I just didn't, you know, I, he didn't end up being there for my, <laughs> for my picks. I don't know. Fair, fair enough. So let's say that we're at the ninth pick, but I'm not totally sure, but you go ahead and, and pick there. This is your last one. I'm going to swing for the fences a little bit. I, I'm mm. going to take Jalen Waddle. Um, okay. I think just the, what I've seen from him this year is, is unbelievable because I think what's so fascinating about him is he came out of the draft as this like supposed to be a Tyree Kill-esque deep you know guy who's able to consistently win down the field whether that's from the slot whether that's from outside he just has this like incredibly rare acceleration and gear to beat you down the field and he can still do that it's just that because of the offense the, the way that Miami has has built their team where they haven't built their offensive line at all and Tua is not a guy who is I think very comfortable throwing down the field I think he's more of a guy who wants to throw off the top of his drop and be more of a know move the chains type of player yeah waddle has had to become like a possession receiver which you would not think makes any sense for his <laughs> skill set or his build but he is incredible at it he is just unbelievable at finding space the way that he can get open in the underneath area is fantastic as soon as he gets the ball he has this insane acceleration to win in space like he has pretty good hands for for a guy his size he sees it in unbelievably well kind of in a lot of ways, he's like McLaurin like that, where I think like his size doesn't make sense for the way that he can see the ball in and just have strong hands at the catch point. It's really impressive. So to me, he just does everything. And the fact that he has been as productive as he is in a role that is like completely miscast for what he's supposed to be is just unbelievably encouraging to me, which, you know, I, I assume at some point in the next three, four years, he's going to be able to get to the point where he's doing all this possession stuff like he's shown. And then he also gets to do more of the stuff where he's taking off the top and, and just being a complete receiver. Yeah. I had Waddle and another player like debating back and forth for my number 10 spot. I was hoping you were going to solve the problem for me and you did. So I appreciate that, Derek. Great teamwork there. I just, I have a hard time unpacking like what Waddle is versus what is his role in the current offense and what's that going to mean for his fantasy value going forward. Like, I'm pretty much convinced that he's a really good player. Um, and so he's going to have a good NFL career, hmm. but he's got 115 targets through the first 13 games of his career. I wrote this stat before the Monday night game and he had a, a gobs more targets last night. So I'm sure it hasn't gotten any worse, but that's the second most by a wide receiver through the first 13 games of his career since 2010. Didn't write down who number one was probably Odell Beckham too. But anyway, Waddle is like getting a ton of work. And if you could forecast that going forward, you know that he would be, a super high option would be ahead of some of these other guys that I'm bringing up, but I just, I don't know what's going to happen here. It, it does seem like the RPO heavy scheme that Tua is running is like designed to work from a fantasy perspective and getting a lot of targets, getting a lot of PPR points from a fantasy perspective. So it's intriguing. I, like I would be curious to see what would happen if you put him in an offense with like a Russell Wilson type of quarterback and, and where that would go. Um, the player that I put ahead of him, and I'm going to be curious to see what you think is Deontay Johnson who I think has some notable flaws in his game. But I'll say that dropping the ball isn't really a, as big an issue as we thought it was going to be. 12.7% drop rate per catchable target in 2020 was high among the guys with a lot of targets, down to a 3.1% drop rate this season, the, the little tennis ball drill that he does. I feel like it actually has worked. So, like, props to him for that. And, like, Johnson is another player where the fantasy production is just so, so good. Averaged 10.0 targets per game since 2020 is fourth most among all wide receivers, and it's the most among wide receivers under 26. Like more than any of these guys that we mentioned, he is, is like a target hog. And while I think you can probably say that like, oh, he's like maybe he's a function of Ben Roethlisberger or being like a weird quarterback that's like not doing stuff scheme-wise, but like Johnson is just so good at getting open in like a weird, weird way that like even though the athletic tools seem underwhelming, he's just always open. And I honestly feel like it's only going to get better for him going forward because – I feel like the quarterback play is going to improve for him going forward, you know, like with whoever it is, they end up back there. Um, and so like, I feel like Johnson is, is like a really, really underrated player, but like, is he as special a talent as Jalen Waddle? Probably not, but I don't know. Like, what do you make of this? And like, how much of this is a fantasy angle in your mind versus something else? I mean, I think he's a good player. I do think some of it kind of goes back to just a function of the way that Ben Roethlisberger is as a quarterback. Cause I don't think Deontay Johnson is particularly explosive and i don't think he's the best downfield threat in that offense um but he's very very good in like the one to 15 yard area and he's really good at getting open like you mentioned he may not be like the fastest guy but i think he has a really good sense of 
how to keep bodies off of him as soon as he he breaks. Like he's very good at initiating a lot of this contact at the very end, kind of almost the way that like um, Jamar Chase has has been decent at that. Um, so I think he's really good at getting open. I think his hands have gotten a lot better, which is very encouraging. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I kind of do wonder if this is a function of just Ben Roethlisberger not throwing down the field very much and him being a beneficiary uh, of that, especially with some of the other guys that they've had out of the lineup, um, particularly this season. Um, yeah. But then on the other end, maybe if they just get a better quarterback, then he he's able to score more <laughs> anyway, and it doesn't matter. So I, I don't know. He, he was kind of a trickier one to me. And so for me, if I was debating between two tricky players or two tricky situations in Johnson and Waddle for me, I just kind of took the guy I thought was a better player. I think that's fair. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what becomes of the Steelers. I mean, they have Juju Smith-Schuster still isn't 26 years old too. So like he was somebody that I at least considered if his career hadn't kind of like tailed off from a production standpoint, then like he could have easily been in this mix because he was up there with any of these guys after his rookie season. Um, I think that hits the 10 number, but there are a lot of guys that we didn't discuss. Some ineligible guys, I'll probably mention them first. Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Hunter Renfro, and Cortland Sutton are all 26. So none of them made the list. But guys that we could have picked and didn't, uh, DJ Moore is the one that I mentioned next to Waddle that I thought was maybe a, a pick. He's still just 24 years old, even though he's been in the league forever. But he's got 479 targets since he entered the league in 2018. Is the most among all of these guys under 26. To me, the issue has really been more the touchdown production, just 14 touchdowns and 61 career games. I think part of that's the fact that he's small. A lot more of it is the fact that like Cam Newton has been his quarterback for half of that time and is taking all the touchdowns near the goal line. Curious what would happen with him if he got a new quarterback, but kind of the Washington comparison there too is when is it going to be that he gets a major upgrade at quarterback? It doesn't seem like it's going to be 2022 for sure. But he was in the mix. T. Higgins, we mentioned, has been getting tons of targets lately, has the great quarterback play with Burrow going forward. Michael Pittman, tons of volume this season. Devontae Smith, I think an interesting player that you picked Waddle over Smith. I think some would say that that he's the better player, if not necessarily the better fantasy option. I I almost picked Smith. That was kind of my my other guy. Um, I think Smith is more, like, refined. I think Waddle's just more explosive. Yeah. Then you've still got Jerry Judy, Marquise Brown, Chase Claypool, Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe not in the mix, but like, you know, 11.5 targets last four weeks, whatever. He's doing pretty good. Rashad Bateman, we mentioned him earlier, and then Juju Smith-Schuster as well. There's a lot of wide receiver talent in the league under 26 years old. I feel like from a fantasy perspective, there's just tons of guys here. So I guess Smith is probably your other guy too, but was like there anybody else on that list that feels like worthy of particular highlight for you? Um, yeah, like Smith, Smith was the big one. I almost took him over Waddle. Um, I almost kind of considered T Higgins too. Um, mm-hmm. T Higgins is, it, it, he is an incredible ball winner. Um, and I think he's gotten better at, at understanding how to <clears throat> get open for a guy who's a, a little bit bigger and maybe not as, as quick and as athletic as some other guys. Um, but I think he's gotten a lot better at understanding how to get open and how to make himself friendly to the quarterback. Um, which I think makes sense when you're finally in year two with a, with a, with, you know, a quarterback, especially one who is as smart as Joe Burrow. So I really like Higgins kind of in some ways for the same reason as Chase, just because we feel very, very good about the quarterback situation there. Um, and I think I feel pretty good about the fact that like, they're not going to be able to draft or sign another guy who's better than Higgins, who's going to yeah. like take targets away from him. I think he's a very good player. So I think those two, you know, Smith and Higgins were, probably the closest to me considering drafting them. Well, that's going to wrap up our dynasty draft segment from the last four weeks. I thought that was a lot of fun. Hope it helped people that are playing in more long-term type of fantasy leagues or prepping for their drafts for, for the 2022 season. I guess it's never too early to start, right? That's also going to wrap up all of our waiver wire shows for the 2021 NFL season. It's been really great having you as our our constant Tuesday co-host, Eric. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're not going to do any more shows, but we'll have plenty of great football outsider shows for you going forward live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. It'll be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I think the rest of the way, including my fantasy shows, previewing the games in DFS on Fridays. Uh, Derek, I suspect you'll probably pop up on some of those shows in the postseason talking about some, some real life scouting stuff with Mike and Aaron and the guys. Uh, but in, until we get to that point, what you have going on for, for all of our fans to keep up with your work. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you for having me on the show the whole year. It was, it was a blast. You know, I have never really done fantasy stuff very much, so I think it was it was nice to get a new angle in and, and do something new. So I had a lot of fun. Um, as for what's coming, uh, you know, I'm doing some betting stuff every week at Odds Checker. Uh, Bleacher Report, we are very close to um, publishing a lot of our scouting, our early scouting reports for seniors that we've done um, next month. I think early next month is when we're going to be doing that. And then, yeah, for Football Outsiders, I'm going to be doing, I think, a lot more NFL draft stuff for here, um, you know, writing some more stuff, all that stuff. So look forward to that. Yeah, I definitely am. I, and I, I know everybody that's been interesting the, the Dynasty draft segments, they're going to be very curious what you and, and all the Bleach Report guys and what we have at Football Outsiders prepping for the draft and all that stuff. I'll mention, too, for our fans that FO Plus, again, on sale for 99 cents a week right now for annual subscriptions. Go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to check that out. And meanwhile, I mean, great luck to everybody still alive in their fantasy title games. Hope you win. Hope that we helped you along the way. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again Friday, doing the fantasy and DFS preview all the way through the postseason. We'll catch you then and, and come back and listen to Mike and, and Aaron the next couple of days as well. Appreciate you so much and, and best of luck in that title game. 